All right, I'm Will Levise. He's Eric Claville. You tune into Levise and Claville, where we give it to you straight the way it is from a black male's perspective. So, what's on today's show? Socialism or survival? Can a guaranteed income help eliminate poverty? Now, Eric, yeah. you got a lot of talk going on about these terms flying back and forth: democratic socialism, socialism, yeah. capitalism, communism, and uh, I think. A lot of it is that a lot of times people don't even really know exactly what it is that they're voting against or voting for. So yeah. maybe we ought to break down those terms. Um, so why don't you why don't you take a stab at it? Well, you know, Will, you're exactly right. You know, now you have these political terms pushing right. political agendas that's really doing a injustice, you know, to the people and their interests. You know, so when we talk about <clears throat> capitalism, socialism, communism, all right? So when we talk about America, it's the place of capitalism, you know, free, you know, free reign. You can do whatever you want. Right. And the government doesn't own anything. It's all private industry, yeah. private interests. Go for it. Be yeah. all you can be. Yeah. And, if, and if you don't get rich, if you don't secure your own future, it's your fault 100%. Right. Get rich or die trying. <laughs> 50 Cent, right? <laughs> the, the, the breakout album. Uh, right. But that's not the case. That's not the case. And when you see it, well, first of all, let's just look very quickly, a quick comparison uh, that I found about capitalism, socialism, and uh, communism. So in a nutshell, capitalism allows you to use your own wealth to create and your own ingenuity to create your own wealth. Right now, of course, right. you can borrow money. You can you have to hire people. You have to pay a certain type of wage, right. or not. And we're finding that some people are not paying those uh, livable or minimum wage. Uh, but for the most part, it allows you free reign to create your own wealth. So we got many stories where where people come say, "I came right. to America with two cents to rub right. into my name," and they pretty much made their their way on that one skill. Now, so private, so private industry controls the goods, services, and like you said, people, individuals can acquire their own wealth. Um, yes, right. That's if, right. They, if they have a home ownership, property ownership, yeah. all of that. Yeah, and then the great thing about it is what we call contract law. So mm -hmm. when you have a contract, that contract is binding between the parties. Now, being a lawyer, I know that when you go line by line, the interpretation of those terms and how those terms were created, how they were, uh, the media, if there was a media on the minds of every term, has created this, these extensive books uh, that we call contracts, just by mm -hmm. a bubble, right? Because we go through courts over and over again on certain issues. But for the most part, when you have a contract, that's a contract between two parties and entities with many other minds that allows them to contract between each other, which the government cannot come into right. unless there is a reason that's against law and so forth. So with capitalism, that's how pretty much America works. Now, when we talk about socialism, now we now let's hit, hit, hit communism first. Hit communism since <laughs> that's the other opposite. Hit, hit, hit communism. Oh, right. So yeah, so communism is the extreme opposite of capitalism. Right. Communism says the government controls everything right period. you know it controls if you want to create a company you got to get government approval if you want to become part of the wealthy elite you got to get government approval 
Right. If you want to open up a business and compete against the government, you got to get government approval. In right. Other words, so the so, so the idea is that everybody in society is equal, and government runs that and government regulates that to make sure that that happens. But in, in theory, a, right? <laughs> but there's a problem. Right. right. It's a problem. You know, because somebody's got to distribute that wealth, right? Right. So the person that's that's quote unquote at the head of the government that's distributing wealth is really the person that controls who gets in and who who doesn't, right? right? So that that becomes a major issue within itself. So now let's go to the middle. So with socialism, you know, communism is pretty much an extreme of socialism. But when we talk about socialism as it uh, as it uh, exists in America, right? So America itself is really a mixture of capitalism and socialism. So the government can intercede in public programs, right? Public goods to help people. Case in point, at the at the turn of the uh, of, of the last century, we had the Great Depression. Roosevelt came in with his social contract pact. He pretty much uh, put regulations up on companies and Wall Street, more specifically, from doing what they wanted to do because of speculation. Now, over time, that's been eroded, and we saw what happened with speculation in the uh, dot-com bubble, also in the housing bubble, and we're going to get another bubble in what's the dollar bubble, right? Right, right. You know, the people love the last president, Donald Trump, because they made so much money. I mean, my accounts look great. If you got investors in the stock market, they look great. But right. it came to cost, right? But then he also included a social security program. Right. That's a if you work X amount of time, you get this social security check to make sure that you can live basic life, right? So socialism tries to bridge, be a bridge between communism and capitalism, and that it provides these social safety nets. It says government should run certain things for the common good so that people could have some measure of a certain standard of living. And so it tries Absolutely. to mix the Absolutely. So Social Security, we also have health care that's available for people right. who are 65 and older. You know, we know that AARP is a big supporter of these programs for the elderly. Right, uh, right now, the, they have the largest membership of any group, especially special interest group. Right. And, uh, and as we, the Lord help us to keep living, Will, you and I will, will be <laughs> get some Social Security. Yeah, get a little bit of Social Security. You, know, you, you got the public education system, which is an example of, again, the government, in, this, in our cases, state and local governments, but even Absolutely. the federal government has an impact with public education to some degree, Absolutely. to a large degree. Again, trying to make sure that everybody in society has some kind of equal opportunity to at least realize, pursue happiness, all that they can be. So when people are talking about democratic socialism, uh, that's more move a bridge even between socialism and capitalism, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to give a quick uh, historical point to public school education. Right, go ahead. Uh, and, and this is a note to African-American legislators after the Civil War. There was no public school education after, <laughs> uh, before the Civil War. And before, yeah, a lot of people don't know that, man. Yeah, before Black legislators got into Congress and state legislators. Uh, black legislators were responsible, in large part, 
or creating public school education to educate not African, not just African American kids, but white kids as well. Because if you right. want to be educated, you're educated by the church. And if you were wealthy, keep in mind our country wasn't too far removed from our mother, which is great. Right. So a lot of people were still used to that, wanted their kids educated in that system that was wealthy. Of course, you had the French, uh, you had a lot of, you had French tutors that came uh, to educate children in those various states and so forth. So when we take a look at education, you're exactly right. Public education has been the, the second single creator of an educated society, public school and also the GI Bill. Okay. That's right. So let's go again. Government, <laughs> government impact, government, government run program. So when people Absolutely. are hearing, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, um, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Cortez you know, yeah. AOC, talking about democratic socialism, and like you said earlier at the top of the show, everybody's throwing these terms around and don't even totally have an understanding. But if they actually looked at the terms and, and actually observed how these things operate in our society currently, they would understand yeah. in a lot of ways, these are not bad words. We, when we're talking about socialism or communism, we're not talking about what you see, for example, down in South America and some countries no. in Africa and some countries in Europe where you've got you know outright dictatorships or in Asia. We're talking more so along the lines of what you may see Right in um, when in the Scandinavian countries, right where you got democracies, ca capitalistic systems, but they have, as you said, some safety nets, some things where the government actually does run it, like what you see in Canada. Canada has uh, universal health coverage. Well, guess what? Here in the United States, <laughs> we have socialized type coverages. In fact, yeah. uh, President, uh, former President Trump. When he came down with COVID nineteen, what hospital did he end up with? He he ended up government hospital, a government run hospital, which is one of the best on the planet, where he got Bentley style Bentley style healthcare covered by the government, and he he got the the, the top of the line healthcare that enabled enabled him to be able to recover at his age, yeah. where a lot of others you know perished. At his age, That's government right. run healthcare, and and will you bring up many important points? Because when people say, "Oh, you know, people just want a handout," uh, people right. socially need to get up and work, but don't touch my Social Security, don't touch my Medicare, <laughs> don't touch my uh, benefits, <laughs> you know, that I have. All right, right. those people, those are the ones that are that need help, right? Those are the ones that are taking our, uh, making our country terrible, and just want to come here. Or a free handout, or don't want to get up to work. So again, those are old tropes, right? Right. <laughs> that we had before. Uh, of course, created under the Reagan administration and pushed the welfare bomb and all that. <clears throat> but and at the end of the day, we see that there is an inequality issue, right? Mm -hmm. Those that have and those that don't have, that gap is like this. <laughs> I mean, we Absolutely. saw this. And and the and, and the pandemic that we're living through didn't make it any better. It's simply just exacerbating. This is really bringing oh, it to man. the core. I'm telling you, it just when I say when you say it exacerbated. I mean that's a. I I, I don't think there is a word that really describes what the mm -hmm. pandemic has really done. 
You have a bill that's introduced that they want to tax what, I call, what they call the super rich, right? Mm. And only a 2% tax on the super rich. Will, the Lord said, give me 10%, all right? Mm. We only want two. And they push it back on that, right? Right. You know, just two. And when we talk about the super rich, we're not talking about people that, you know, had a good year, right? <laughs> you know, they're able to, you know, spend a little bit, maybe take a trip in Europe, maybe Italy, do some shopping, stuff like that. Maybe even buy that boat. Heck, maybe even buy that second uh, vacation home, right? We're not talking about those people. But we're talking about individuals who are 0.5% of the U.S. population. So that means 99.95% right. of the people in our country are not there, Okay. So that means 0.05% of the U.S. population are considered super rich. And that end of those individuals that are making what that are worth one dollar over $50 million. Wow. So there's a, there's a but but even when you talk about the super rich now that now to be fair, to be balanced, it is true that you know the 1%, the top earning 1% does pay you know, a huge amount of the share of the taxes, right? I believe, what not it about 39% or so of... Well, actually, it went uh, down. Actually, it went down. Keep in mind, it went down on the Bush, it went down under Trump. So it keeps going down, but yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, with that... So it's not like, you know, it's not like folks that have great wealth are not paying taxes. They're, they're, they're in a lot of ways, that wealth is, you know, but you're saying the, uh, you know, the economy, the, uh, the country, uh, all of us uh, aspire to accumulate you know, wealth and to, to yeah. again, we want to let life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Uh, that's the American way. So it's not that we're against uh, uh, taxing people fairly and honestly. And in fact, you know, it seems to me like the IRS, you know, is very quick to go after uh, and audit people whose, you know, incomes are at uh, lower levels. And I think that that's where a lot of, yeah, you know, where a lot of people, um, get bent out of shape when they hear, you know, this taxing of the rich and who should be paying their fair share. So, I mean, I I personally believe again in wealth and acquiring wealth and paying fair share, but I think that people need to understand that all of these different systems are about achieving some measure of balance. So it's not when you hear in democratic socialism, Again, I think the Democrats just do a poor job really messaging and really clearly oh, absolutely. explaining absolutely. what it is that they're talking about. But when you look at it and you actually listen to what people have said and you actually read the documents of what they're, they're saying that they're pushing for, democratic socialism is really sort of a yeah. bridge between socialist principles and capitalist principles where you know, you're saying the government is running... Certain parts of industry absolutely a a balance for the society because what happens if you go purely capitalist, then what happens is with if you fall back on the regulation, how it affects us is things like you know terrible you know pollution in your water, yeah. um, which, know, we, which, we, which we had the mercury uh, issue right. in our in our ocean water because companies were dumping mercury uh, into the ocean water instead of doing the right thing and disposing of it responsibly. Go ahead. So if you have no government in, in play <laughs> oversight 
on anything, then how do we manage to be able to function together? So those areas where our, so to speak, where our individual rights can clash yeah. against each other, those are the areas where you need a referee. You know, you need Absolutely. a government and you need a government that's supposed to be for the people, by the people. You need a government that you, in fact, run. You, in fact, that's support right. that government. <laughs> you run that government through your representatives. And that's where the refereeing or the, the selling of disputes where our individual rights may clash. Now, the big problem that we have is now we got a lot of politicians who are in government who are actually voting for policies that undermine the interests of their own, of their own constituents. Yeah. <laughs> because they're just, <laughs> Look, they do it and they spin it to make it think that it's a good thing. I mean, right. think about it. You know, we spend more dollars on spinning messages to sell something that's, that's not good for people where we can use that money to actually do the right thing. But I want to go back to the socialism piece. If we take a look at Europe, now you mentioned Canada, all right? Canada is very similar to, I know they're in North America, but they're very similar in the way that they operate in their government to Europe. So let's take, let's take a look at European socialism. Europeans pay a higher tax rate, but there are a lot of services that they get that they don't have to pay for at all. Healthcare is one. In some countries, you can go to uh, college all the way to a doctorate degree in what's called university studies mm. for free, right? Absolutely free. You know, now, of course, there's a person say that there's a quote-unquote lower standard of living, but I, I, I disagree with that because the question becomes, what is your standard of living? Is right. your standard of living based upon time and value with, with family, culture, traveling, or is it based upon working, working, working? And that's where America and Europe disagree. Because in some places in Europe, when you first get a job, you get automatically six weeks vacation, paid right. vacation. You right. can take a vacation. Like, you may get hired on Friday. You say, next month, Monday, I'm taking a two-week vacation, right? On top of that, all right? So not only that, Will, but, but I remember this was in the, I think, the late 90s or early 2000s when they implemented a 40-hour a work week as opposed to a 35-hour work week in Europe. Right. Man, people are in the streets marching in Germany. <laughs> it was like, no, absolutely not. We're not doing this. And then I think in some instances, you can work four days a week and not five. Right. You know, hey, we work 24 hours a day. We're, we're so connected. We need to become disconnected. We need to disconnect just to keep our, our mental capacity. You know, right. This, right. You know, but, you know, but but you know, when we talk about this uh, again, I want people to understand that when we talk about socialism, democratic socialism, that's just a way of the wealthy and corporations to continue to erode the intervention of government during the Great Depression, that Social Security package that Roosevelt signed, right. and to continue to eroding that. But let's take a look at this. Will people say, hey, you know, capitalism is great? But factories are closing because the government allowed companies to move their production overseas. Overseas, right, to increase right. profit, right? Exactly. And south of the border. Right. But capitalism is good. However, the Midwest became the Rust Bowl. Uh, the, uh, 
uh, the middle of the country became another dust bowl. Mm. And not only that, but now you have very large sectors of our society that are suffering because there is lack of manufacturing. If, if, if we ask ourselves, what does America manufacture? What would you say? Well, I would say, I would, I would think that we still do steel. I would think that we manufacture, you know, technology <laughs> and technological yeah. goods. Well, is that but, manufacturing um, or is that, you know, brain power? So that's the difference. So we move right. toward a more service society exactly. and a thinking society than actual manufacturing society. Now, granted, because of the government's regulations, any 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 military uh, vehicles have to be made by on U.S. soil and by U.S. companies. So we can't we can't farm it out. So yeah, we still make ships to kill people to protect our borders and to go against guns. We still make war planes to do that. We still make guns, and we do a good job of exporting guns. guns. Absolutely. So so Will, I want to talk about. You know, when we're talking about this uh, Social Security PAC and socialism, and there's this big thing called guaranteed income. This is this idea. I remember watching uh, one of the large network televisions uh, early news reports several years ago. And actually, more than that, gosh, those Trump years, man, kind of set you back <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> like, that was five years. Yeah, it's like it's all a blur, man. You know, and, uh, you know, we say, oh, it was 2020. Oh, it was the Trump era. It's like, you know, I lost five years of my life. But but in that, there were these individuals from the tech and tech industry mm-hmm. that wrote a book about guaranteed income, saying we need a guaranteed income. As a matter of fact, one of the presidential candidates, uh, Democratic candidates, I forget his name, the Asian-American, uh, who actually... Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, who had this big push and group called the Yang Gang, right? So he was right. You know, he said, we need a guaranteed income to help people. And the the city of Stockton, California. Right, Stockton, California did the experiment on it and released released their uh, results recently. Yeah, so Will, tell us a little bit about, you know, what what Stockton did. So what they were doing is they gave $500 um, in income to individuals who lived in neighborhoods, I believe that were about $43,000 median income or less. And what they found was that the individuals, instead of the old tropes, like you mentioned, and stereotypes of welfare queens taking the money and spending it on cigarettes and liquor and alcohol and, and carousing, what people did with that money is they bought food, they paid their yeah. utility, they paid car notes. And some folks who were in positions where they just had part-time or gig-type economy jobs, you're mentioning us moving right. to a service economy, they were actually able to go from part-time jobs or gig jobs to actual full-time jobs because they had this income that afforded them the opportunity to actually do a more functional, real job search. And actually, so they give this standard income of 500 a month and find that unemployment actually went down. Employment goes up. People were more than responsible in using this money and used it to really address some of the basic needs that they have. And so here, both of us have raised children. You can imagine if you were given an income like that and you got kids and child care, 
you would be spending it on that. You would be spending right. it on or something that would enable you to be able to be a more quality parent to your to your children, or you would right. be t- uh, trying to pay down debt. So again, like you said, often what happens with the politicians in order to gain favor, in order to just get in a position to get get that office and then become beholden to these big special interests, we throw around a lot of these stereotypes about what people would do with the money and how people would be irresponsible. But in actuality, that's not the case. At least that's what they found in yeah. Stockton. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it was called SEED. It's a Stockton empowerment, economic empowerment uh, distribution, I, I believe. But the acronym was SEED. And it was, it, and again, you know how people say, oh, we're taking government money. Well, it wasn't government money. It was, it was privately funded, yeah. Private donations. That's right. $3 million, Will, and you, and they distributed out to these individuals $500 a month. And and, and the results came back, like you said. People in they people worked more as right. opposed to less. They increased their income as opposed to decreased, right? They actually, they didn't buy alcohol, dope, <laughs> drug, as people would say, right? You know, so these things helped individuals, like you said, get out and do what they wanted to do. And I think childcare is a big part of that. And they also pay off debt. Childcare is a big part of it. Think about it. If you, the, one of, we actually ran, my father and, and, and my mother uh, wanted to start a business to help uh, young mothers. And they, they wanted to start a school. So we, my father operated the, the, the Coville Daycare Center. Uh, for 21 years. Man, right? Excellent, man. That's in, excellent. In our community. I uh, started out in, in our garage where he got a $5,000 loan, small business loan, to refurbish wow. the garage and create a, where they, I think we could hold like eight kids. Hmm. And then from there, it expanded to a full operation uh, where at the height of it, we were keeping between 65 and 75 kids. Wow. Um, bus service back and forth, you know, so all the way up to where you got to preschool, you know, that's, that's where we stopped. We went to, in our kindergarten. That's and, huge, man. That's a huge yeah. impact in the community. Yeah. But here, but here's, here's the issue. It got to the point where the state started decreasing the amount that they would supplement wow. uh, families income in order to pay the, the, the supplement for childcare that it became uh, uh, basically, the business model went from profit to major loss. Cost prohibitive, so he either had to pass that cost on to the to the parents, or he had to eat it. Yeah, but stuff. here's the thing. But here's the thing: they didn't have the money to pay for it in the first right. place. Right. <laughs> so they don't have it to pay for it now. So, so it was it was more, it was it was cost prohibitive to run it, and then it was cost prohibitive for the mothers to try to send their kids to daycare paid a full price and not only have a little money to work. So therefore they relied upon what? The government to continue work as opposed to it, keeping that supplement at this point so they can take a lot of work so that they can go out and work and be more productive. So, right. so we saw it in real life. And with this guaranteed income, I think that now we can start to peg what we call the living wage to this guaranteed income to help individuals with childcare, help individuals to pay X, Y, Z expenses. And I think that by creating this guaranteed income, we see it in the pandemic. People are staying afloat by the stimulus that they're getting. Now, right. just imagine if people got stimulus, Will, every three months, 
right? Kind of like the all revenue checks that Alaskans get, right? Right, right. They get those checks, they pay off bills, right? They pay off certain things, and that money goes right back into the economy. So we've seen where those that, that stimulus, people say, oh, people need to get out there and work. And they found with that stimulus, what were people doing? Paying bills. So, well, you know, that, but that's the thing is that the, you know, the pure capitalists, they don't believe that, you know, the government should be paying the freight in any way, shape, or form, but that the private sector, again, or the, or the philanthropic community would pick up that gap. So, yeah. like you said, in the case of your parents and, and those parents that were using, you know, their, their daycare business, they ended up having to go on the government dole. Well, the pure capitalists would say, you need to get rid of that government dole, too. And yeah. then who would actually, they would actually be able to turn to is, you know, is the church or the philanthropic. There would be organizations that would privately fund um, that kind of uh, social safety net. And, yeah. you know, I think people really need to understand what it is that we're talking about. If that's what you believe, do you yes. really believe that the church will be able to pick up, will be able to pick up that gap? Do you really believe that private organizations will pick up that gap? If you believe that and if you are clear that you really understand that that's what you're saying when you're arguing against some of these social, you know, government-run social programs, yeah. then I say, hey, okay, then then go for it. And I, and I hope yeah. that you never find yourself in a situation of that kind of need. But yeah. oftentimes we hear people saying that, you know, they're not for these government programs. And then as soon as you say something to them like, okay, well, do you like your Social Security? Oh, no, oh, no, oh, oh hey, no, <laughs> don't touch my Social Security. Don't touch it, don't touch so, it. So, you know, I, I think it. that's what it is, man. We got to be, yeah. be clear on what it is that's that right. we're talking about. Man. And, and Will, Social Security reform is coming because we kicked that can down the street so many times. So I'm an advocate for the reform, but I'm also in order to keep it because we're coming up on that age. So, man, look, this has been a phenomenal discussion. Uh, at, at, at the end of the day, we sell the experiment in Stockton help uh, communities, more specifically communities of color, poor communities. So when we're talking about people's policies, right, and, and policies, public policy, they help the common man. What is it that you think that us, African-Americans and other poor communities, communities of colors that are struggling, should advocate for as it relates to this um, guaranteed wage? I mean, guaranteed wage. I think what I think what our communities need to do is to understand exactly what is being proposed. Take the yeah. time to understand what is being proposed and then break it down into your individual life situation. Just like you just talked about your parents mm -hmm. and the business that they were running, yeah. how that was impacting the community and what that and what that actually means. And if you understand what is being proposed when you hear things like universal health care. Think about what that would mean. When you and I look at our incomes and we see that payment going towards healthcare every two weeks, and then when we go to the doctor and they're saying, oh, by the way, you got a co-payment. Oh, by the way, you have a deductible. You know that you're paying a huge right. amount <laughs> to get healthcare. So when you say universal healthcare and you just... Oh, and I didn't mention that also there's a Medicaid... There's a Medicare payment in there. That's right. That's going to, and, and the social security payment 
that's, that's in there right. in your income too. So we need to understand what is being proposed and advocate for things like health care, Medicare for all. We need to advocate for things like, you know, these kinds of income or stipends that allow to go directly to areas of need, you know, utilities and the such that will help people to be able to get, you know, yeah. over the top. Because these stipends, these payments, they exist in other areas. Ask some of the farmers who are paid Absolutely. not to grow certain crops. Ask, right. you know, some of the businesses, some of the oil companies that get, you know, underwriting yeah. all the businesses that get tax breaks to come yeah. in and do certain development. So it is happening. Government is underwriting a whole lot of private <laughs> industry activity. And keep in mind, you know, one of the first things that uh, especially Republican administrations do, the moment they get in office, in the first 15 months, they, get, they pass a tax cut for that top one, two, three percent. And nobody, and, and everybody says, oh, they know how to make money for people, rich people, so it's okay. Again, messaging. Well, we're going to talk about this topic some more uh, because we're talking about living wage, we're talking about people Absolutely. doing the right thing. But we, this is it for this episode on the Beast and Cleville. Catch us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Thank everyone who is supporting us. Thank you for your comments. And until then, that's the way we see it. That's the way it is. We'll see you next time.